If Pyros and Crips all got along, they probably got me down by the end of the song. Seems like the whole city go against me. Every time I'm in the street, I hear yak, 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 yak. Man down, where you from, nigga? Fuck who you know, where you from, my nigga? Where your grandma stay, huh, my nigga? This mad city, I run my nigga. Brace yourself, I take you on a trip down memory. All right, welcome back. Episode 16, Pod D Podcast. We're gonna um, just jump right into it. Let's Let's get into it. All right, so uh, this week or last week, is it this week? So last week, Kendrick Lamar was um, awarded. Well, his album "Good Good Kid, Mad City" was awarded by Rolling Stones, the top concept album of all time. So I think that's a topic we can get into. You know, I'm pretty sure everybody's gonna have a um, their, their top album probably will be rap a rap album. But what's your top concept? album rap or whatever kind of music it can even be a comedy album if you, you know if that's your top one but what's your top pick for a concept album of all time what do you mean by concept album give me a definition of, of concept it's a, a, a album that tells a complete story so think of like a movie that's turned into an album like uh like an album that starts with the beginning they introduce a topic and then each song takes you through a, a complete story like good kid mad city is taking you through a day in the life of kendrick lamar in compton so that's why you know it's considered a concept album i think for me it'd be a death certificate from ice cube which is i think what is that? concept was like black power even just not speaking in la just how uh the song Summer Vacation was how LA influenced uh, St. Louis and stuff like that. So every other song was about things that was going on in um, in the California lifestyle or in the black community and stuff like that. Black career, uh, game banging with colorblind and stuff like that. I mean, he added no Vaseline to the end, but that's that's what he was going through. But that's probably my 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 top. Let me let, let me kind of open that definition up. Okay. What's an album that you would put against Death Certificate that starts and tells a complete story for you that embodies a complete story from beginning to end, whether it's concept or not, just beginning to end, you got a full story out of that album. Maybe Blueprint by Jay-Z. The Ruler's Back. Um Take over. Oh, yeah, it's kind of a okay. I got one. I have one. Um, it's the soundtrack, the Jay Z soundtrack. Um, American Gangster. American Gangster. Like that one tells a complete story to me. It's it's basically about one topic, different parts of one topic chopped up, you know, in the album. Or the uh, Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. That's would be a concept album. All right. So I think what well, anything Kanye drops, right? Yep, graduate. Yeah, graduation, graduation late registration. Yeah. Yeah. Those would be concept albums. What about Common B album? Mm, why? Because it's more like a black power, black empowerment yeah. type. Yeah, I can see that one. 
Probably throw the chronic in, both chronics. Kind of the same thing. All right. This is the answer. This is the, the winner. This is um, Marvin Gaye. I don't know if you can see that. What was that? It's called Hear My Dear. It's also known as the Divorce Album. This is the album that he had to make. You know, he was married to Barry Gordy's sister, and she wanted a divorce. Mm-hmm. He married her when she was like 16. And this was when at his... I don't know if you can call it his peak or his low. He was high, getting high all the time and broke. He couldn't, have pay, couldn't afford to pay his divorce settlement. So a part of his settlement, he said, okay, I'll give you the proceeds to my next album, which is, this is the album. Here, my dear. This, oh, wow. This is considered the first concept R&B album. Maybe the first concept album. But first concept R&B album, for sure. So... You know, she agrees to it because he's Marvin Gaye. He's on fire. So, what you know, he's high on PCP, cocaine, everything. So, what he does is he makes his album. (laughs) (laughs) He makes his album about his soon-to-be ex-wife. So, his songs like um, Sparrow, Anna. Her name was Anna. Anna song. He's just talking, basically talking shit about her the whole album. (laughs) So. You know, so so basically, a concept is one theme for the entire album. Basically, is that kind of yeah. what the is that kind of the idea of it? Yeah, one story for the whole album. Okay, I, I got I got, I got two albums then. Okay, I got Death Certificate, Ice Cube, and I have R. Kelly, um, um, TP Two. Oh really? Twelve play two. Yeah, I can see, yeah, yeah, 12 play two, yeah. It's kind of in order. So, yeah. yeah, I can see that one. You no, got anything, Rodney? No. Yeah, uh, yeah, actually, I think Stevie Wonder has several concept albums that come prior to that Here My Dear. Um, Songs in the Key of Life, for one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, tells a complete picture uh, from beginning to end. Um, and that came out before Hear My Dear. Um, like basically his, um, he had a run in the, in the mid, early to mid seventies, um, where all his out, like he won Grammys like four consecutive years. And the only year he didn't win is he didn't put out an album and all of those albums, songs in the key of life, talking book, um, inner visions, all of those albums tell um a story and most of it is telling it from you know the black perspective of being you know coming out of the civil rights movement um and coming into the 70s where you know we feel you know blacks are feeling more empowered but still on the short end of the stick so he was telling that telling that story in a lot of those albums um so i would say anything from stevie wonder in that period would be Probably one of the best concept albums. Side side note, I wanna I wanna dig into that a little bit. That was a that was a crazy stat you just gave about uh, uh, Grammys and albums. Stevie Wonder is he like underrated? Should he should he should he have more fanfare? Is he is he like one of the most underrated like 
artist ever? Should he be up there? Like when you say when you say like, did his name ring like Elvis in your opinion, or or you know, great great great? Do y'all think he get that kind of respect? I, I do. Got an album Rodney talked about, uh, Talking Book. That's one of my favorite albums. Like everybody talk about the kid life, but but I I really love that album. You know what I'm saying? Wait, you think he get the you think he get the national like national recognition recognition and credit that he nah. deserves? Nah, because at the end of the day, as a as a male singer, women have to see you like as a sex symbol. You know, and he's probably never been revered as a, as a sex symbol, as a handicapped blind man. You know what I'm saying? So he has the voice. He has the songs. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But he don't he can get the one or two. He's not getting the three and the four. You know what I'm saying? And um, I, I think that's the one thing that that probably um, set him apart. You know what I'm saying? He has the the songs. He has the voice. And a lot of things that he was doing was original, but he doesn't have that that sex symbol um, status that other male artists have. You know, I need I'm to looking. clean that up. He won Album of the Year seventy three. He won nineteen seventy three, nineteen seventy four. He didn't win it in seventy five because he didn't put an album out. But then he came right back again and won it in nineteen seventy six. That's unbelievable. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's so that's crazy, not, that, that's not that's not R and B, that's not R and B album of the year. Right. That's album of right. the year, over across all genres. Yeah, yeah. Just I don't know, man. Just to me, in my opinion, it seems like he just slept on. Like he don't get, he don't get. You know, he should be in that same, you know, the same sentences as, you know, Michael and Elvis and, you know all the greats, but he just seemed like he got slept on. That's a good point. Maybe because of the handicap, he not seen as, you know, a great, but you know, I just thought I, that just, it just kind of bugged me that he ain't getting that. He don't get that same kind of recognition, but yeah, back we, on track as far as concept albums, I'm not well, well versed on, on maybe, albums like that, but uh, as far as a concept album that I thought was a, a well done album that you could follow float, Follow what's Kanye's album, mm-hmm. like uh, as far as with hip hop, he was the first one. You know, I, I guess some of the East, the early East Coast guys did it, but you could really follow his album, his story. You know, he's telling that story about graduation and telling the story about um, you know college and, and things like that. So I thought that was his first album, mm-hmm. uh, graduation. I thought drop that was out. I thought that was a great time. college dropout. Yeah, my yeah. Ball, college dropout. I think that was I know that was well done album from beginning to end concept wise. It was. Okay. Hey, let me go back. Um we missed one. Marvin Gaye, what's going on? It's, I'm looking at this Rolling Stone list. It's 19th on the list. Stevie Wonder is not even the top in the top uh, 20 in this Rolling Stone list. But you know, Rolling Stone is kind of biased. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you sure. know, but I think Marvin was first. This uh, "What's Going On" was put out in '71, and Stevie Talking Book was '72. So, got to go we, back to more. Say concept albums. He was the first. You think? That's just saying. He's the first. You know, without doing a lot of research, 
Yeah, yeah, I was gotcha. I would say, you know, Marvin, what's going on? Gotcha. But both that list you know, that you're referring to, Jared, what is that list? It's the Rolling Stones. Um, let me see what they call it. Basically, Rolling Stone best concept album of all time. Which is not quite right. They have um Kendrick Good City, Good Kid, Mad City, number one. Number two is Green Day, American Idiot, Pink Floyd, number three. And number four is um, Raekwon, only built for Cuban links. I don't, you know. But good, what yeah, would, but, see, I don't, so concept album versus album. Because I'm quite sure Stevie Wonder has uh, an album on Rolling Stone's uh, top albums of all time, not not concept albums, but just top albums of all time. Mm-hmm. I know he has. I know he has some on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's got to be on some, you know, some list on here somewhere. It may even be on this concept album list, but you know, it's I think it's fifty albums, and you have to scroll through mm-hmm. page by page. Deontay Wilder fought this weekend, so I just want to show this clip. Use what's your what's your take on Wilder? You think he's a real contender or just fighting a you know a bump? Well, that was his sparring partner, uh, dude, pretty strong. He's a real contender. Um, I don't think he has a chance against Tyson Fury, but everybody else, uh, I think he can. He has the punch and power to do something with. Um, yeah, I think I think he's a real deal. I think he got that right hand that neutralized everything. What you think? I think he might get knocked out if he tries to step up in competition against um, Tyson Fury, maybe even Joshua. He might be able to beat Ruiz. Ruiz? Am I saying it right? Yeah, I think it'll be the same outcome if he tries to step back up and fight um, a Joshua or a Tyson Fury. But I was I wasn't impressed. Like I wasn't impressed at all by that by that fight. You know, he just he, he I don't know. It seems like he's um I think his I think his confidence was a was a little a little bit taken from uh from the uh, the uh, Fury fights. I just don't mm-hmm. I I just wasn't I agree, Jerry. If he fights um, Joshua, he fights Fury again. I don't think he'll beat him. You have anything, Rodney? Yeah, I think I think Wilder. He is who he is. He can't box. He just waits on. He just tried to land that right hand. So if he, if he's in there in the ring with somebody that can box better than him. Then you know he he stands a good chance of losing, um, unless unless he has a clear height advantage of some sort. Um, I don't. I just don't see him being he he he's a good fighter for this time because he has no real skills, but there's no real other than you know two or three heavyweights. There's no real good heavyweights out there. So he's been able to build up that record on these on these clowns, but he he he's he has no boxing skills whatsoever. He just try to hit you with a right hand. Yeah, I agree. Kind of, if you press him, you'll beat him. Yeah, 
<laughs> like, <laughs> uh. <laughs> anybody have anything on uh the Devin Haney Cambosis fight? Is he ready? Is he ready for um? Is he ready for any of the other jets? Who? Wilder. You saying it's Wilder no, Haney. Ready? or Haney? What, what were you saying? You saying was he ready no, for talking, any of those other? No, I was talking about Haney. I was talking about is Haney is is Haney is Haney ready for you know any of the other top guys in the in the lightweight division? Yeah. He sparred with with majority of them outside of um outside of Lomachico, you know. Uh he's being advertised as a guy that doesn't have punching power, but if you watch any of his fights, you never see nobody run right over him, you know. So he has some strength to himself. He's strong, he has he has a high IQ. He holding all the belts. And if he was as easy as everybody say, They'll be gunning down to go get him because he has four belts. But everybody at everybody at this point is looking to get up out the division. You put tank in that category? Yeah, tank tank is 135. Tank fight at 135. Uh one he's been up to 140. You know what I'm saying? Ryan Garcia is one thirty five. He's thinking about going to one forty. Lopez. Um he's already moved up to one forty. Um the thing about the thing about Devin Haney is he's a fundamentally technical boxer. Sometimes he doesn't take risks. Like yesterday with uh Cambosa, he could have really he could have really put the uh put put his foot on the gas and, and tried to stop Cambosa, but he didn't. You know, Cambosa was switching out of range in front of him. He was going from a softball to an orthodox. But he wasn't doing it from a distance. And, and I don't know why Haney never uh, counted him while he was doing it. You know what I'm saying? He just was stepping with his left foot forward and then coming back with his right foot forward. So he was giving Dan- Devin Haney all these looks, but Devin Haney wouldn't, wouldn't fire. You know what I'm saying? And in boxing, that's that's considered a no-no because you, you're switching your feet so you don't have your balance. You know what I'm saying? That's like a no-no. You don't really do that in boxing. But he was doing it to try to frustrate De- Devin Haney. To me, Devin Haney looked like he started um, fading toward I the end. I think there were some times where he did take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. But the dude did it all night. You know, he did it all night. Now he did was hit him with a jab as opposed to a straight right that would, you know, hurt him or, or, or go to his body. All right, let's switch gears. I don't know what happened, but this this episode seems a little lackluster. <laughs> Everybody seemed kind of down. Last time, last episode was flowing to me a little bit better. Oh no, nah. we'll, we'll get the top. We'll, 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 we'll hit our stride. Yeah, yeah, we'll hit it. Yeah. Um. Good. Let's talk TV shows. Okay. I went back, said, and caught back up on um, House of Dragons. That's the best okay. show on TV. Really? It's, it's well written. Okay. Good story, good characters. Yeah, that's the best show on TV to me. Okay, like nothing is touched. That whole that that whole uh, that whole Game of Thrones, that whole sequel, that all of that, all of that's good writing. Those guys do a great job on that. But I agree. I I, I can't watch. I, I can't wait for tonight when it come on. It's that good to me. I don't and, know why I've avoided that. Oh man, this this should be right up my alley. 
Yeah. It's it's so good. It's so good. It's it's, it's one of the best shows. Anybody heard about this show? Uh, it's uh, um, it's called Deadwood uh, uh, Yellowstone. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Heard about a show called Yellowstone? Yeah, don't they come on like um, TBS or, or TM uh, the movie channel or something like that or Paramount? Like Peacock. I think come on like Peacock Network, but it's mm-hmm. like uh, somebody Frontier. told me it's like. Like the Sopranos meet a country western. I heard yeah. I heard it's really good, but I haven't I haven't seen a lot of it. But I heard it's I heard it's really really good. I saw the trailer of. It. I just never uh I never got around to watching it. Okay, okay, but no, Jared, I agree. The writing is good. The characters are good. Mm-hmm. It just makes you want to you want to keep watching it. Just like <laughs> like it, it, it's so it's so it's so real with you. so real with. You. <laughs> <laughs> that girl they have playing at um the princess, I think her name is R- Ranaris. Yeah, uh huh. The young one and the one they have now, they cast that perfectly. Mm. That yeah. chick looks she looks like she could be like a loose slut. The one that's playing her now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was telling yeah. Teresa that she looks she looks believable. You know, uh <laughs> you don't know for you Rodney Hughes, you may not know, but she has like kids by like her, her guard. She was messing with her first guard. She was messing with her uncle. It was an uncle, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. She had kids by her guard. Uh, now she has. She's pregnant by her uncle. Married to her uncle and pregnant by her uncle. So right. yeah, it, it gets crazy. That's that's funny. <laughs> I'm into Atlanta. Uh, this is the final season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're on episode five, but episode four was really funny. They did a, uh, I could tell at the end, I could tell you was talking about Tyler Perry. So it was kind of shocking to see uh, the spin he put on it. He was calling him uh, uh, Mr. Chocolate. You know, it was based on the movie, on, uh, movie, movie set. And um, it was just mm-hmm. interesting. It's creative. It's it's an interesting way how Donald Glover writes that I find that I find funny. You know, it ain't gut rich and funny sometimes in some scenes, but what I like about a TV show is that when you do comedy, when you have multiple characters that can provide the the comedy, and, and it's just not one individual that you get your laughs from and stuff like that. You know, I think it's ahead of its time. I, I hate to see it go, um, and I re- I really like Atlanta. Is that a is that is that a comedy like a sitcom or what what is that or is it like so what is it's what, a comedy it? it's a I think it depends on the episode every episode okay. um, is not about laughter you know what I'm saying I think sometimes what he do is he tells a story from um, a world perspective but just use Atlanta as the place you know what I'm saying like some some of the episodes the first episode this season didn't have any of the main characters in it. So I was like, what the hell am I watching? But it was telling a story that really actually happened in real life events of two, of two, um, there was two white ladies that, that had uh, some, some adopted kids, black, black kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were just feeding them anything they wanted to feed them. But at the end of the day, they were getting ready to do a suicide. They killed in real life. They, they killed those kids within the, um, in the sitcom, one of the kids got out and saved it. So when they went to commit suicide, 
all the kids was was out in the woods and the, and the two ladies just you know uh drowned in the, in, the, uh, in the river and stuff like that so nothing funny about that part but what was funny was how you put it into a sitcom and you could see real life events happening and you're like wait a minute I heard about that story, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and mm-hmm. he's it in this episode. So it's it's funny how he has the medicine and you have to catch it because they're not gonna just tell you like this is what it's about, you know what I'm saying? You have to be able to catch it. Do you do you like Atlanta better than like the sky? I've never seen either one of them. Are they very right. similar? Or are they very different? Every everything's different, like the shy, Atlanta, insecure. You're talking three different sitcoms that at, at different times can give you a little laughter or a different or, or tell you a story. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Atlanta is, is different because different episodes, they'll have it just about one character, one character arc. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, every week is different how they're going to um, do it. They have a theme and stuff like that, you know, insecure, I got laughs out of that. I, li- I like that. You know, that was on HBO, and I think they completed mm-hmm. that either um, early this year or last year. You know, some of, some of our legends, legends that we grew up really liking. How would we like them in today's standard, back in our days, if if they had, if we had social media? You know what I'm saying? Like, would it really? affect the way you feel about certain people that you you know you thought highly of to to, to see them you know interacting on you know things that they would say on twitter and stuff like that i think i think about that like pop you know what i'm saying like i never knew pop probably but to get an insight on his, his his life like would that affect it how i really liked him as an artist you know what i'm saying yeah hmm. I think a lot of the a lot of the people of that time um, were pretty much with the status with the status quo. Like they didn't want to ruffle no feathers. So I think to to your point, it, it, you know, if you heard you know if you heard more from them during that time, it may have swayed you because you might have heard some shit. You, you know, Michael Jordan is is famous for you know the Republicans buy shoes. Mm-hmm. Topic. I mean, comment. You know, and right that pretty me. much let him know, like, I'm shutting the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Hey, explain that comment. I'm not familiar with that. What did Michael Jordan say? say explain that comment. I'm not familiar with that comment. The Michael Jordan comment. Um, so there was um, a Democratic a Democratic candidate in. North Carolina. I forgot what they what he was running, what the person was running for. But he was out of North Carolina. He was a Democratic candidate, and they wanted Jordan. He was a he was a black candidate, and they wanted Jordan to get behind him. Endorsing. And Jordan said, "You know, I'm just uh, you know I'm on, I'm on, I'm gonna play the I'm gonna play the back because Republicans buy shoes too. You know that's that's the gist of the comment. You know, there's been some back and." Fourth, you know, was it said exactly like that? But the gist of the comment was Republicans buy shoes too, so he's just going to not get involved in it. So, um, you know, and and pretty much after that, he never you never heard him say anything else um, uh, concerning politics or social issues or anything like that. He kind of stayed clear of that, um, and then. 
the other um uh, y'all ever hear the story about Craig Hodges and how he tried to get Magic and Michael to boycott the finals? Yes, I, I have heard I, I heard about that. Nah, enlighten, enlighten me. Uh-uh. What happened? So it, he pretty much that. I it was uh I think it was over the Rodney King. I think it's over the Rodney King uh situation. And he he went to Magic and Michael and wanted them to boycott the uh the ninety one NBA finals. And they both said no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but was it any like animosity behind it, or are there, yeah, or they, they said no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know why I said, but I don't know why I haven't heard that. It's hard to get get people to stick together for a common cause. People have their I own mean, agendas. Yeah, exactly, Jared. They got everybody got their own agenda. But everybody that, trying to trying to. That's a know. pretty big ass, though. Yeah. Well. That's a it is, ass. but it really isn't because of the gravity of what it was, though. You know, Rodney King. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If that would have ha- if that happened today, they would have stopped the finals, right? Yeah. That that would have mm-hmm. been that. So, for the gravity of what it actually was, a, a, a black man getting beaten, you know, by cops. You know, it, it was actually a, it actually was a pretty big deal then. It'll even oh. be a bigger deal now, and I think they would shut down everything now. I think they'll boycott everything now. But that you're right. I mean, I think agendas had a lot to play with it, and and money on the table. A lot of people yeah. losing money. Nobody, ain't nobody interested in losing no money. What it comes down to? Wasn't Craig Hodges? Wasn't he one of the first to to like boycott silently uh, boycott the anthem? Or, or that was. I don't know about that. Okay, okay. No. All right. That was Mahmoud Raouf. Yeah, what was his... That's uh, Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. Okay. Yeah. Uh, real name, that. Chris Jackson. We, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I mean, his birth name. I, I won't say his real name. His birth name is Chris Jackson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but one thing about that, though, you talk about the agendas and and what happened during that time. But it seems to me that the, 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 the strides that blacks, the black people made in the 60s, 70s, 70s, around that range, to me, it made people less, I mean, to, for lack of a better word, less woke to where they really, for the in the eighties, wasn't nobody really. You know, you couldn't get an athlete to really stand up about anything. Whereas in the sixties, you know, if you didn't, you know, they looked at you like you was a coon. But you know, with the progress that we made over that time in the seventies and the eighties, you saw less activism, and therefore, I think that's kind of where Jordan, Magic, all those, you know. To where they wouldn't be like, nah, I ain't finna risk, I ain't finna risk it all, you know, for that. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to win the chip. So mm-hmm. I think that that kind mm-hmm. of bred that that that, that 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 way of thinking. I think that and also the money part of it. I mean, you know, Magic was making a million dollars, you know, during that time. So I think that was a 
a big, a big, big part of it. The money part came into play, and and the agenda. You know, I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna make this bread, and I'm gonna stay quiet so I can continue to make this bread. You know, versus the bigger picture. So, who can who can blame them though, man? Who can blame? Them? Yeah, it's about self preservation. Yeah. Let me let me kind of let me kind of stay in this lane. Something right now I wanted to ask you about. Uh, so Rodney, um, you served in the military. So do you feel like um, going into this, like talking about your experience in the military, what made you sign up? How did you feel when it was over? Did you want to stay in and maybe something happened and you came back or were, were you just over it? And it was time to, you know, let it go. And how much time did you spend in the military? So I did six years um, in the Navy, and um, my experiences in the Navy are just like well, I, well one of the one of the things that that uh, really came to light was that a black man catches hell everywhere in the world. And what I mean by that is I've been I've been to places all over this country, all over the world, and people barely know how to speak English. But guess what? The one word they know what to say when they see us. Oh, really? Like what country? So, name a name a country. So, name a country. You know, I've I've been in, huh? Name a country where you experienced uh, that. I've been, I've been to Vladivostok, Russia. Russia. I've been to Russia. And and the white and, and the Russians, you know, can barely speak English, but the first word out of their mouth was nigger. In what kind of context? In like like a like an evil hatred kind of context? So, you know, that was one of the don't matter. <laughs> for real, it don't really matter how they say it, but the mm -hmm. fact that that's the first thing out their mouth, you know what I'm saying? So that was one of the biggest takeaways for me is that, you know, a black man can't catch a break anywhere because someone's always got, you know, they gonna, they gonna, they gonna throw it in your face, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and you asked, why did I go? Uh, so I went because I was over the school school thing, you know. You know, I ran out of gas my last two years of high school. It was just like I'm I'm, I'm over this shit. So, you know, I got in a position where hell I had to do something. So the military was presented itself as a viable option um, because you don't want to be um, an anchor on your parents. So. I looked at it like, well, hell, I can do this. I can get out of their hair. I can go explore the world, do whatever, you know. But one thing about it, though, I found out, and my father, he ended up telling me this, you know, because he was, he was in the Army. But, you know, you don't know how much you don't know until you don't know. So, when you know, when I get out in the world and meeting different people from all over the country, all over the world or whatever, you know, kind of made me sit back and like, damn, you know, I thought I was the most, you know, the most 
smartest cat, most hip cat, but you know, you know, it's other motherfuckers out here that got the same type of, you know, mind frame, if not, if not higher. So, you know, it it, it was a it was a, 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 a eye opening experience, um, to say the least. Hey, was that a four-year contract or a six-year contract? Mine was six years. Uh, okay. Based on the fact that my first two years or year and a half, I wasn't going to see a ship. I was going to be going through my um my uh the schools. You know, I had like a year and a half, two years of schooling that I had to go to go through before I went to the ship. So therefore my, my contract was for six years. Well, what made you pick the Navy over any other branch? Would you just, 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 uh, um, the army will end up in a jungle, <laughs> uh, Marines, you can end, end up jungle desert. Um, so my choices were Air Force and Navy, because mm-hmm. um, I always heard that the Air Force had it kind of easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was planning on going to the Air Force, but I was just in my usual procrastination mode. So I never made, I never, you know, jumped and did it. It just so happens that the Navy called me at home one day. They called me out the blue and asked me to come down and take the ASVAB. It's called the ASVAB test. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody take before you go in. So they called me and asked me, could I, you know, would I be available to take it? And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go. Let's do it. So mm-hmm. I went and took the test. Uh, I passed. Well, it ain't necessarily a pass or fail, but based on your, you know, your score kind of dictates what kind of job you will have. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I was a year removed from high school so you know i scored pretty high on it so uh that's how i got into the field i got into um i was uh uh i was in the advanced electronic computer field which led me to being a radar technician um uh, once i got to my ship so so from the time you received that phone call what year was that to the time that you actually reported to uh, reported to duty or boot camp? Was that like in 96 when, when they gave you? Say that again, Squeak. I said from the time you received that phone call to come take that test, how, how what was that time frame to the time you reported to boot camp? Um. Uh, it was early 96. So about March, March or April of 96 mm. is when I actually got, uh, uh, yeah, I actually got inducted March of 96, but, uh, I was in a delayed entry program. So that, so that means I'm in, I'm in the Navy, but I won't report, uh, until later because I wanted to get my, I wanted to get my summer in. So, uh, I don't know if you recall, but mm-hmm. you know it was a lot of lot of lot of clubs that summer of '96. I remember. So I wanted to get that in <laughs> yeah, before okay. I reported. So, so I, I ended up reporting um, 
August of August of ninety six. That's when so, I that's when I reported. So without that call, was it always on the back of your mind or that call is what sped it sped it up for you in taking the test? That call is that call is what did it because I didn't I don't know if I would have had the initiative to actually go seek them out and 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 uh, and do it. That call out the blue was a blessing because like I because I probably wouldn't have done it before. You know, I probably wouldn't have done it without that incentive. So okay. that call was a blessing. And when when they called, I was like, you know what, fuck it. You know, I'm, I, this is what I got to do. And I, and I knew it, it really um, necessarily wasn't for me. You know, because it's a lot of shit that, that that you go through. That growing up the way we did, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, you know that you know that life ain't for you, but. You know, you 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 know you 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 deal with it. You know. Hey, Rodney, kind of talk us through um, boot camp. I was watching a YouTube video. It was a National Guard, um, you know, boot camp video. They yelling, "Put your paper in your right hand, bag in the left hand." You know, telling you, "Did I say move? Don't move. Give me some push-ups." Can you kind of just talk us through your boot camp experience? Um, yeah, so leading up to that, so the, the group that I was in, we were called the Cardinal, the Cardinal company. It was a mixture of guys that were from Missouri, as far as Memphis, uh, Illinois, some from Iowa, some from Kansas. And we were called the Cardinal company. And we actually did a ceremonial induction at the Cardinals game. Um, they were playing the Padres, if I'm not mistaken. So they told us that, okay, you know, they took us on the field and we did a ceremonial where we held our hand up and got inducted into the, to the Navy. But I, but we had been inducted six months prior to that, but it was like a ceremonial thing. So we did that. And, um, they told us at the bottom, the bottom of the seventh inning, we leaving. And we getting on this bus and we headed to Great Lakes, Illinois. So, uh, you know, that was like the most nervous I ever been. You know, as them and the Cardinals was they they wasn't doing shit. They was going one, two, three. So them innings was kind of going quick. So I ended up uh, so bottom of the seventh. You know, my drill instructors. You know, they was all nice and shit from inning one to inning six, but. When that seventh inning hit, they was like, "All right, get up, you know, and get in line, you know, get you, uh, straighten this line up, you know, just, you know, trying to get you in the mode of what it's gonna be." And then, um, so we left the game and we drove straight up there. We got there about one o'clock in the morning, and they had us um, do some little initial in processing. But no, no, I take that back. We laid down about one o'clock in the morning. Um, after that initial processing and then they woke us up at four and they you know they did the standard thing that you see on um a lot of you know movies they got the trash can and the baton and they banging it and shit screaming yelling get up so that's when i was like man what the fuck did i get myself into that's that was the first what the fuck moment but um 
But uh, you know, it's uh, after the initial shock of that, you know what I'm saying? Because um, well, I ain't got none now, but before then, you know what I'm saying? You, you used to having hair, so they give you the buzz cut, and they don't care how it look. You know what I'm saying? They ain't, they ain't giving you no lineup. It's just like you know, you wearing tight whiteies. You know, I had gave that shit up. You know, two or three years prior, and I was a boxing man at that point. So, you know, the, the little workout shorts that they gave you, they was coming to the top of your thigh. You know, just, just little <laughs> shit like that was just. It was. It was. You know, you just you just had to adjust. You know, and and um, so I'd never been around white boys before. You know, growing up, how we grew up, we grew up in public public uh phl so it's like yeah you know know, you don't see see white people so so that was my first introduction to them Mm -hmm. um so i got it you know i got into it with a couple not on no race shit Mm -hmm. not on not not on nothing racial but it was more so like um, you know you ain't finna you know i ain't finna you ain't finna beat you ain't finna punk me so mm-hmm. one of the things that they like to do, which I always thought was gay as hell, they like to wrestle. They like to motherfucking wrestle. And I would always be standing <laughs> on the sidelines saying, you know, man, y'all gay as hell, man. Why y'all up here wrestling? Why don't y'all box or do something like that? So, you know, my guy, he says something to the he says something to the effect of, you know, you just saying that because you can't do it or whatever. I'm like, I don't want to do it. It's like, well, get down. I'm like, so anyway, we ended up, we wrestling. So <laughs> we get down. And, uh, you know, I got I got him in the headlock. You know, he started turning purple. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, I, you know, we wasn't grappling. I just I just wanted to get him and, you know, hold him. So I had him in the headlock and they just, you know, they eventually came and broke us up. But, uh Boot camp was interesting, and like by the third or fourth week, I was over it. I, you know, that first, the first three or four weeks, I was kind of a little nervous, a little shook. But by the third or fourth week, I was over it. I'm like, man, this ain't shit. Fuck y'all. You know, you want to work us to death? All right, come on, let's do it. You know, that's probably the best shape I was ever in in my life um, during that time. So, uh, the first the first week or two, Jerry, is 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 an adjustment for all them things I said. Just mm. coming from where we come from and getting into that mindset. Um, one of one of the things, one of the few things that I carried over from boot camp is I can fold the shit out of some clothes. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking like like I have I I fold a t-shirt. And had that motherfucker like this, you know what I'm saying? That's that's because that that's one because um, on a ship, you you don't have a lot of space. You don't mm-hmm. have a lot of space for your belongings. You know, um, like the bed the bed that we slept on on the ship was probably um, maybe ship may it, it was it was just long enough for you to get into it. And stretch out, but that was it. And then your mattress was like, your mattress was this thick, mm-hmm. 
And then, so it was like a coffin. So you raise, you raise it up, and then you had storage space underneath. But that's pretty much all the storage space you had. So that's why they taught us in boot camp to where you have to fold your clothes a certain way to um, to maximize your space. So, um, like, hey, if y'all ever need me to come over and fold some shit, I will fold <laughs> the fuck out of some shit for you, <laughs> and you will have more space than you ever would. Have. <laughs> Let me ask you two questions about that boot camp. So, was it t-shirt? Was it ever a time where where you wanted to go a wall? Because it was just, it was, it was that, it was that jacked up, or it was that hard for you? And then, were you all in co-ed dorms, or were you was it unisex? Um. It was a time that I wanted to stop, but it wasn't because it was too hard. Mm. It was because I saw through the bullshit. Because mm. it because it wasn't it wasn't too hard, but I just saw through the through, through the nonsense, and I'm like, man, fuck this. But um, what kept me in it was, and this wasn't a good reason, but what kept me in it was how I would how I would look to my family and friends like how would it look if i didn't complete it you know what i'm saying right and i mean on the surface that might mean something but at the end of the day your your family and friends ain't going through the shit you are mm -hmm. so so you need to do what works best for you mm -hmm. and not worry about how it looks to others because they're not going through it but at the time that's that was my thinking like nah nah fuck this i'm, I'm gonna do this you know, and they're, you know, I'm not going to quit on it. Um, and what was the second part of that? Uh, was, was the, uh, was the barracks, were they, uh, co-ed or unisex? Oh, no, they were not, they were not unisex. <laughs> okay. Um, but you did see women like when you was uh, marching to, uh, marching to the mess, to the mess hall, you know, or doing, you know, just going around, you would see them and it would be like, you know, like, damn, damn, did you see old girl? And, you know, y'all want to go together? Fuck no. Nah. They, oh, wow. they kept, they kept us, a, I mean, you, that's, you, if you're trying to build discipline in, in, in a young man, you can't have him fucking mingling with, with a woman. You know what I'm saying? You, it's all <laughs> about building discipline. So you got to keep that shit separate. So mm. we would see him, we would see him, and, you know what I'm saying? It would, you know, you know, we would go back to the barracks and talk about it and be like, "Did you see old girl? Whatever, whatever." And you know, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's it, it you know for what it it really was like high school at after after we're done with doing whatever we got to do in in a day because our our day started at four um it started at four a.m. every day and then around nine o'clock we would be back at the barracks and we would have like an hour to like kind of decompress. And that's when a lot of the shit start shit talking started. That's when I started wrestling white boys on the floor. <laughs> um, you know, so around that time, cause, cause uh, uh, taps is at 10 o'clock that's lights out. So that's 2200. Um, so that would be lights out. So you would have like an hour or so to decompress, but that's, that's actually when I first heard the term, um somebody said about it to me 
because I told remember I told you it was a cardinal company. We had people from all in the Midwest, so we had people from Memphis. Mm-hmm. We had people from a little further down south. And you know, these cats was talking about they bowed it. I'm like, and I mean, I don't even know why they talking about it because they, they ain't from New Orleans, but they from Memphis. Mm-hmm. So they talking about they bowed it. They bowed it. I'm like, mm-hmm. the fuck are you talking about? You bowed it. Like what? Like Master P. You know what I'm saying? Like Master P. I'm like the ice cream man. Because <laughs> I didn't listen to his album mm-hmm. other than <laughs> I never heard anything other than the ice cream man and break them off some with with UGK. Right. I never heard about it. So, yeah. So that's during that time we did a lot of, you know, that's where I got to learn a lot about the South. I got a, a chance to learn a lot about the East Coast. Um, and then, and that's, and I forgot, you know, that's when I found out that Tupac was dead. I was in boot camp. Oh, wow. Um, so there was no email. There was none of that. It was, we wrote letters. So, um, uh, we were in, we were in the mess hall getting food and the people that work in, you know, people that work there, they're like civilians, you know saying? They, they're, they're not isolated like we are. Like we're, we don't have any TV, no radio, no music or nothing. We're just isolated. But the people that work in the, in the cafeteria and things of that nature, they're regular, you know, regular people. So they go home at the end of the day. So one of the guys said, hey, y'all know Tupac dead, right? And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know? Mm-hmm. So once we got back to the barracks, I got my pen and my pencil and paper and I started, I wrote, um, you know, my girl and uh, asking her, you know, is this true? And shit, by that time, he had been dead probably a week at least. Mm-hmm. No, maybe you know, he wasn't dead a week. I think he, he may have been dead a couple of days. But by the time I got confirmation, shit, he it, he had been dead a week. You know what I'm saying? And I remember we was like the whole, all the brothers in that company, man, we was, you know, sick, rapping to ourselves and shit, you know, because we ain't got no music. So, right. you know, we all talking about our best, you know, our favorite Tupac songs and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? So that was one of the, oh, yeah, I also found out I was a father in that same letter. How about that shit? I was going to be a father. <laughs> So in one letter, in one letter, I found out Tupac did. I'm gonna be a father. Oh wow! How about that? No, that's cool. <laughs> so wait a minute for for boot camp. You just arrive with the clothes on your back. You don't get to bring like no radio or or anything or any of your music. Yep. Wow, I never knew that. Fuck no. It's almost like jail. I had on a pair of dope man Nikes. <laughs> um, I had on a pair of dope man Nikes, some Levi's, and <laughs> like a little polo shirt. So when I got there, they took that shit, uh, put it in a bag, and they handed me um, some tidy whities, um, some little silk gym shorts that was, you know, very short. Um, they gave us like some, I forgot what kind of shoes they gave us some Nikes, but they were like, well, no, matter of fact, I ain't wear that. I ain't wore that shoe. I wore my shoes. You know, they let us, so I, they let us keep our stuff. We just couldn't wear it, but I kept my shoes. So I wore my shoes working out. That was my, 
that was me being defiant. Like, fuck that. I ain't finna wear y'all shoes. I'm wearing my old shoes. Mm. But they was dope. They was they was some brand new dope man Nikes. Uh, they were all white, and the Nike sign had the dots. The mm-hmm. dots, y'all remember them? Yeah, I remember them. I don't remember them, but I don't remember them. I remember them. And, uh, so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. dope man Nikes, and, and instead of like a solid Nike sign, the Nike sign yeah. was just in dots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were. Oh, I had a brand new pair of them, and you know how like the soul, and you know how the sole got like them little ridges and shit. Mm-hmm. The sole got little ridges on them, but by the time I got done with boot camp, that mo- <laughs> all the motherfucking ridges was gone. The motherfuckers was flat as motherfucker. <laughs> I they ran our ass to death. Mm. Sur- surprise that sold and you know come off that shit. Ran our ass to death. But, <laughs> but Rodney, it held take... up. It held up for, for eight weeks, man. It held up for eight weeks. Get us take us to the end of the eight weeks. Okay, it's so at the end of the eight weeks. How many people quit or got kicked out? And then what happens at the end of the eight weeks? Or went AWOL. Um, I, now we talking shit. <laughs> How were we talking? Twenty five years, twenty two, twenty six, seven years ago. Yeah, twenty six. Um, I don't think anyone didn't make it. Okay. I don't think anyone didn't make it. I think the the um the biggest thing. Well, I t- I'll tell y'all a story. The scariest thing. So, what's the thing that black folks are known for not being able to do? Swim. 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 <laughs> so, you got a company full of black folk, black dudes. Right. So, you got a company full of black dudes, and none of us really know how to swim. So, we one of the things in boot camp that you have to do is you have to jump off of a tower probably 20 feet 20 feet up jump off the tower into the water mm-hmm. and then once you're in the water you're gonna the way it is you're gonna go straight to the bottom and they teach you how to get back you know to up to the top so uh <laughs> we um in the pool, well, we on the edge of the pool, and they showing us what we need to do. About four or five black dudes passed out. Just before we even got on top of the tower, they just passed the fuck out. One dude passed out, hit his head, busted his head open, blood all on the side of the pool. You know what I'm saying? We looking at this shit. Couple, couple motherfuckers started crying. <laughs> you know, it was it was a mess, man, because motherfuckers knew they knew they couldn't swim, and we they knew we we had to go in this water, man. So, uh, that was that was a crazy crazy uh, day diving in that water, but we did it. Um, and you know, when it got to be my turn, I pretty much looked at it like. These motherfuckers ain't gonna let me drown. <laughs> so let me just step off of this tower. Cause they, you know, they told you to so you gotta, you know, cross your arms and you just step off. So my thing, my my thing to myself was they're not gonna let me drown. 
So let me just step off this motherfucker. I stepped off, and actually, I got up. You know, I did what they said, and got back up to the top, and you know, it was all good. Um, so that was a crazy moment, and the tear gas. So they make you. One of the things they do is they um they put you in this little shed, and they set off tear gas, and they um. Actually, I kind of like that, cause I cause growing up the way I did. You know, growing, you know, I, I, you had to show me. Like, I always thought, I, I ain't give a fuck what you said. I, I can do it. You know, I can do it. I don't care what you, how tough it is. I can do it. That's how I felt about a lot of shit. So they talking about this tear gas. So I'm like, whatever. So they took us in the shed, and uh, we had our gas mask on. So they set it off, and then they make you take your gas mask off. And then you have to recite, like, one of you, like, we got, what they call general orders. You got 10 general orders. So they might be like, all right, what's your third general order? So you have to recite it while you inhale in this tear gas. So, um, and then they'll ask you what's your, what's the last four of your social or some shit like that. So they asked me, they got to me and I'm like, I got this. I took my motherfucking mask off. They're like, what's your third general order? I'm like, two, <laughs> just just choking and gagging and spitting up <laughs> and they threw me out of there like get out of here you know what i'm saying and uh that that's your guys ain't no motherfucking joke I don't, really? I don't know how the motherfucking activists and riders deal with it <laughs> that shit is no that shit is no joke <laughs> okay that shit is no joke so eight weeks is a uh... but but oh, oh, and one more thing before you go into something else, Jared. Like, oh, uh, but yeah. Let me answer. So, so to answer your, I, I guess I ain't really answer your question. But as far as the end of the eight weeks, so when you get to like, when you really get to like the six or about the sixth week, they really kind of let up on you because you're like you're almost at the end. So. They're not doing all that, all that hype shit that they were doing the first first few weeks or first days, first couple of days. They're not doing any of that, so it's pretty much relaxed. And you know, um, so a lot of the stuff they do, like you do a lot of classes, so you go through classes and you kind of learning military history, um, with us being in in the navy, um, we. We did a lot of knot tying, learning how to tie different knots. So they would give you a rope and you would put it behind your back and they would tell you what kind of knot you need to tie. So you would have to try to tie that knot behind your back. Um, so it wasn't really a lot, you know, you know, we, no, we, we went to the gun range and shot and all that shit. But a lot of the shit is just really getting you trained, getting you disciplined. Um getting you used to getting up, being on time, being prompt, um, you know, learning military history, being abreast of all that. Um, a lot, you know, it, it was in a lot of it was physical too, because if somebody would fuck up, then they would make, they would punish everybody and you would have, you would, they would, they would, uh, work you. Um, but all in all, it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. And by the like I say, by the by the eighth week, 
they they were pretty lax and um you know it was it was just we just sitting around talking about what we gonna do when we get out <laughs> like jail <laughs> would you do it again if you had to if you was walk back but in I time, tell you, you again? know it got real the Uh, would I do it again? Um, under 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 those circumstances, yeah, I would. Um, the only thing I would do different probably is I probably would take it a lot more serious. Um, I didn't take it serious when I was going through it. I was I was mainly looking at um, let me get let me get this six years over as quick as possible so I can get back. Mm. Um, because you know. I was I was I was homesick, you know, the first few months. No, 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 no. I was homesick, I guess, a few weeks in boot camp. Because once I got out of boot camp, then hell, I was for there was a while that I was coming home shit damn near every weekend. So there wasn't no homesickness. Um it's just I knew that me and my personality clashed with 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 the military so i was like let me hurry up and get this time over with but if i had to do it all over again i i would have a probably a better i would take it more seriously and have a better mindset now i still don't think i would do 20 because even though i'm sitting here now at 45 when you're 18 Hell, I, actually, I think I was 17 when I went in. I don't think I had turned 18 yet. Mm. No, 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 no. I was 18. I was 18. I wasn't 18 when I graduated. So, yeah, I was 18 when I went in. But you don't, you can't fit, picture yourself at 38. Because they say, hey, man, you go in at 18, you do 20 years, and hell, you be you be 38, and you get out. I'm like, 38? Should I be on a motherfucker? What are you talking about? So... I, you know, I couldn't, I don't think I could ever still do 20, but I think I could have made the six years that I did do, I could have definitely made that uh, much more easier because my whole six years, I was going against the grain. So it never was, it, it, it going against the grain made it harder than, than, than it needed to be if I had had a different mindset. And one more thing. I don't know if I ever told y'all this, but the realest the shit ever got to me. Well, no, when when the shit really hit home was um, like I had been in. I went in in '96. I didn't go to a ship until '98. And then I went to a ship. As soon as I got to the ship, we went on a six month deployment, and we went and we went to the Gulf. Well, we stopped other places, but we ended up in the in the Gulf. And so I'm in, I'm on, I'm in the Persian Gulf and they got a pistol. I got a pistol in my hand. Well, on my side with a round in the chamber. And I'm, I'm on like, I'm walk I'm walking on the pier. Like, am I really ready to shoot a motherfucker? Like, like <laughs> six months ago, I was in, I was in Emerald city. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm on a pier with a with a round in a chamber, and if some shit go down, I'm expected to to shoot him, you know. So, 
that was like that was like one of the scariest moments because I was like, I, I don't, I, don't, I didn't know if I was ready. I mean, because we had did our boot camp and did all that shit, but like this shit's real now. And you know, uh, later on, uh, when, when I was over there, uh, you know, I don't know if y'all remember the USS Cole. Um, that was a destroyer. It was a ship that was in Yemen, and um, they they uh, uh set off a bomb. So what happens is, when you're in a, you're on a ship, you pull in the pier. Now you what happens is you'll have some of the locals. They'll get in like a little boat and they'll come up to the ship, you know, to help. Um. Docu. What we call mooring. So we have, so we have lines that you know we throw over to the to the to the pier, and they you know secure the ship. But you'll have people. You have the locals. They'll be in little boats, and they'll come up to the boat to the ship, and you know they'll get on. They'll come on board, and you know sell their little wares or whatever. So what happened with the U.S. Cole, USS Cole? It was a ship like that, a little boat came up to him and the guys were waving and acting like they were all friendly. And once they got up to the ship, they set off a bomb and, you know, killed however many people, you know, we do that shit all the time. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, like, damn, that could have been us. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that shit could have happened to us. So, um, the danger was there. You know, we kind of, you know, I, I don't know if I poo-pooed it, but the danger was always there. Um, you know, we shot, we did, we had a, a mission in uh, Afghanistan where we uh, we shot uh, we shot Tomahawk missiles at uh, technically it was uh, Bin Laden. It, it, it wasn't Bin Laden but it was some of his strongholds in Afghanistan um, that we were, you know, like a couple of factories and some other strongholds that supposed to have ammunition and things like that. I don't think it was necessarily we was targeting him, but because uh, it was after some, there was some um, U.S. embassy bombings in um, 98 that he was responsible for. So we were called to strike Afghanistan so um yeah it was like a bunch of tar- a bunch of targets to try to neutralize him it wasn't necessarily to kill him but to neutralize him but anyway that was that was some real shit too because it was like nigga this is this is damn near, this is damn near war mm-hmm. you know and I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to do six years, yeah. <laughs> you know, go to school and, you know, get up out of here. But we damn near on some war shit. So, <laughs> so that, that shit was crazy. And, and we, and we acted like some, some, some pussies. We, um, we shot like 10 Tomahawk missiles. We did, we basically did the drive-by. We, um, <laughs> we was, uh, I was, we was in, was in Jabal Ali, and we left there because we started off in the, in the United Arab Emirates. No, no, we was in Dubai. That's where we was at. Well, one of them. I don't know. We left there, and then we went off the coast of Pakistan, 
and uh, and we shot our missiles over Pakistan going to Afghanistan. And then once we shot our load, we got up out of there. And then, and and we was doing the the limit of a sh- what a li- what a ship can do. Um, so y'all know how them speed boats be, you know, kind of be bouncing off the off the yeah. water as they going. Uh-huh. Um, our ship was five five hundred and sixty seven feet long, and and that's considered a small ship in the navy. Oh, wow. But it was 567 feet long, and that motherfucker was bouncing off that water like a damn speedboat. We was getting up out of there so quick because <laughs> we didn't know what was coming back at us. So we shot our Tomahawk missile, and then we skirted, and that motherfucker was bouncing <laughs> the whole way. Um, But, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's what it was. Very interesting story. I think your story, when people hear this, may inspire but some I people. Think, uh, huh? I think, you know, it's a good story from beginning to up to this point. I think when people hear your story, kids who uh, are thinking about going, it may inspire them to go or it may inform them that this is not for them. So I think it's, it's a good story that people need to hear that can help people either way. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you definitely have to find your own path. Uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the most patriotic because, you know, as a black man, you go through, a, you know, you go through a lot of shit in the world and that shit don't stop when you go to the military. You know, you deal with the same dealing with the same type of pitfalls when you get to the military as well. So uh, it ain't all peaches and cream. Like, you know, when you go to that military, you still going to have to deal with some of that same bullshit. Uh, but, you know, I think um, I'm, I'm still better off for it because I, you know, well, first of all, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to go to college because I wasn't given those, I wasn't given I, I wasn't given those tools to know how to even apply for the shit. And even if I did, I probably would have flunked out because I just wasn't ready for that shit. So um, going to the military definitely provided me with the avenue to just get a new perspective on life and learn some skills. You know, like I said, I can fold the shit out of some clothes. <laughs> <laughs> You guys have any questions? You cool? I'm good. All right. And maybe, maybe in later podcasts, I'll have a military story of the day. You know, we can give me a couple of minutes in our next, you know, future podcast, and I give you guys a little, little nugget from my military service. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Maybe next time also, if you want to, if we want to, if you feel like it, you want to share about your experience um, as a stockbroker. You were a full, probably still are. You're still still are a Series Seven certified, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you can't you can't hold your license if you don't have a, a sponsorship. Yeah, you have a sponsorship over for over uh, two years. You can't hold your license, but yeah, I have my licenses, all my licenses. 
Okay. Yeah. If that's something you feel like you want to share again, you know, these stories can help inspire somebody, somebody's, you know, kids may get turned on to these different fields or different, um, you know, different experiences. So it, it may help somebody. You never know. All right. Yeah. So I think it's call out some time in the future. Yep. We can do that. Definitely. All right. All right. So we are close to an hour and a half. Let's go ahead and sign off. This was episode 16 of the pod deep podcast. Available again, it's available everywhere. Every other podcast is heard. You'll find this at YouTube forward slash pod deep. Please like, subscribe, comment, drop a comment. Um, look out for clips and we appreciate it. All right. Good night. Peace. Peace. <laughs>